Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. everybody this morning. I can't see you, but if you're new, welcome to the Upper Room. My name is Beth Scheller. I am the co-host of our Shine podcast with Kate, and we are launching, every Sunday we're going to have a new podcast that gets launched, and this week um, I'll do a shameless plug. Jacob Scheller is our interviewee, and he's my favorite 21-year-old, but he also has some great stories about um, leading friends to Christ, so um, make sure you check that out. And I do have stories about Miss Monica, but I will not share them because I don't want to scare the little ones. <laughs> But yes, we practice gentleness in our family, so we we try. (laughs) So in this season of unrest with a global pandemic, social injustice, the political polarization of our country now more than any other time in our lifetime, society, don't you think we need revival? Chris just finished up a sermon series entitled Crying Out, where he shared the history of how prayer has brought revival. That's one of the reasons why we're doing city walks on Sundays. Last week, I spoke about being intentional about the influences in our lives and the importance of waking up and being aware of how much social media, news, talk shows are influencing us, and instead to plug into the Bible so that we know what the living and active Word of God is saying to us so we can be armed with the truth. The body of Christ all over the world is crying out for revival, and we need to be ready when our prayers are answered. I've honestly asked myself, what does revival look like? In the end, I think it looks a lot like our vision statement transforming lives that transform communities. But when I stop to think about how we get to the transformed lives piece, I don't really think there's a fairy godmother with a magic wand that sprinkles some fairy dust and poof, transformation happens. Sometimes when people meet God and are touched by him, they are saved, healed, and delivered in a moment. I've heard powerful testimonies about stories like that. There are, however, other stories of people who are awakened to their need for a Savior, their eyes are opened, and they get a hunger in their hearts for righteousness. They are saved in a moment. But their healing and deliverance comes in the form of a journey, walking it out, working it out, changing their mindsets, changing their behavior, sometimes even changing their circle of friends. The world is full of hurting, messy, messed up people. And we've all been there at some point in our own lives. They need Jesus just like we do. 
But they also need people to come alongside of them, to love them, to teach them, to encourage them in their journey of transformation. And those transformed lives can transform their communities. The journey to transformation is often a process that can be messy. This leads me to one big question. Who is going to love and teach and encourage these hurting, messy, messed up lives? I look around and I can tell you, it's not going to be the responsibilities of our elders and our pastors and our Sunday school teachers. They absolutely have an important role to play in leading and guiding and governing the church, and they have responsibilities on Sunday mornings for the service. But when Jesus gave the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, he was inviting you and me to get into the game of transforming lives. If we are praying for revival, I'm telling you, church, we need to make room in our church, in our homes, and in our lives for more people. And we can do this through the practice of hospitality. The definition of hospitality is the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers, the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. The Bible tells us to be hospitable. Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Peter 4, 9. 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 3 John 1, 8. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality in to such a way that people... I'm sorry, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. And the most interesting one to me is Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. How about that? I want to talk to you today about how we can show hospitality in our church, our homes, and in our lives in practical ways. Because when revival happens, we need to make room for people. The first area we can show hospitality is by serving in our church. We are what I would consider a small-sized church. We don't have a large team of full-time staff who can devote their entire work week to the work of the church. Our pastors are bivocational. I'm I'm so grateful to our leadership here and our pastors and elders, Chris and Kate and Greg and Marta, Monica and Bruce, um, Josh and Kyle, that they pour into us, and I'm so grateful for that. But if there's any way to burn out our leadership team, it's expect them to carry the load of everything that happens within these four walls while also building relationships in our community. If we are going to be a thriving, healthy church, we all need to roll up our sleeves and get involved. Kate just sent out an email this week asking for people to serve on the first impression teams. Greg just made an announcement about that. 
We are looking for door greeters, sanctuary greeters, information hosts, ushers. You do not need two years or more experience to do this. You do not need a college degree. You need to know how to smile and be friendly. And if you are an usher, you might have to figure out how to pass buckets, but not this week. If you don't want to sign up to be an official greeter, then consider yourself a section greeter. Make it a point to know everyone around you within five rows, front and back and side. And then once you know everyone, switch sides of the sanctuary. My row is taped off right now. And so now we're on this side of the sanctuary. And it's like, oh, it's a whole new place. I didn't even know these people. We are going to need people on Sunday mornings to work on the youth ministry team, to care for our kiddos in the nursery, to teach Sunday school classes and help out with children's services when it starts back up. You all saw Monica. She is um, willing and ready to open you with open arms. Chris has told us that transformation does not happen in rows, but it happens in circles. And our elders are always looking for small group leaders to invite people into a circle where fellowship, learning, and growth take place. The second place we need to make room and show hospitality is in our homes. Now, no, I'm not asking you to give up your guest room permanently. But you can make room around your table to invite people into your house, eat a meal around the table, have coffee in your kitchen, grill burgers on the patio. There's something very sacred about gathering around a table, sharing a meal, and carving out time for conversation. You can formally start a small group or lead a shine group, but you can also just invite people over for a meal or coffee and conversation that's seasoned with salt and light. In Acts 2, 42, they talk about the fellowship of believers, and they said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The third way we can make room and show hospitality is with giving our time to teach. As the church grows and we add people to our church family, and not just people that are coming from other churches, but new believers, we need to make room in our lives to disciple people and to show them what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. It has been said of the upper room that we are a safe place for the hurting, a place where people can come to get healthy. And our brothers and sisters that we are praying for to be touched and transformed by the love of God are going to come in all shapes and sizes from all different kinds of backgrounds. Addiction, abuse, abandonment, divorce, poverty, relationship issues, bitterness, unforgiveness, hurt, loss, pain could be marking their lives. We need to be a place where people can come to learn and grow. We need to be salt and light to the people. We need to show them how Jesus has healed us from our brokenness and what it looks like to have a healthy marriage, how to discipline kids in a healthy, loving, safe environment, how to walk in integrity in the workplace. Maybe they need to see people who model the fruit of the Spirit in tangible ways and to see what love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control look like? Let's not be like the church that the author of Hebrews rebukes. Hebrews 5.12. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus and encouraged him to do good for the sake of the gospel. And the whole chapter of Titus is talking about teaching. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men. Likewise, teach the older women. Then they can urge the younger women. Similarly, encourage the young men. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord and great Savior, Jesus Christ. These, then, are things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. The Bible makes it pretty clear that we as believers need to be teaching. I love our mission statement, know God, serve others, share life, as it sums up how we should be living. But here are a few things that you don't have to do in order to show hospitality. You don't have to be perfect. If you're looking at Pinterest or watching HGTV and the cooking channel, don't let that stop you from inviting people into your home if you don't have a big, beautiful, Pinterest-worthy house, or if you can't make mouth-watering, five-star, four-course meals you would be surprised how many people still like pizza or our poor man meal, which is spaghetti and a loaf of bread. I can remember 15 years ago, I was dreaming about starting a women's small group ministry called Shine, and I almost didn't start it because at the time we had just moved back and into a rental home, and I had beautiful, lovely couches that were green and white striped with floral pillows, which I loved, but our carpet was gold and our walls were yellow. And I almost didn't start the group because I didn't want people to think that I thought my couches and my carpet matched. We've been meeting for over 14 years and the growth that has happened in my small group has way surpassed my expectations. And to think I almost let gold carpet stop me. You also don't have to be an expert, have an office, or hold a title. Sometimes I get caught up in the lies the enemy whispers in my ear or the pressure of society that tells me that only famous, glamorous, expert people can make a difference in this world. Or that you have to have a public platform and be the senior pastor or the CEO or the owner of something in order to matter. You don't. You can impact the world one person or one small group at a time. Who you are matters now, and the world needs what you have to offer. And lastly, you don't have to solve all the problems in the world or fix people. 
You just have to love them and point them to Jesus. Sometimes people have so much pain and dysfunction in their lives that you think, I don't want to touch them with a 10-foot pole. Or get involved because you don't have a psychology degree, a spare house to loan them, or the capacity in your life to work on a project. If you feel that way, spend some time with the Holy Spirit and ask how you can play a part. You don't need to be the Savior. That's Jesus' job. But you can play a part and you can do the role that you are called to. Philippians 2, 4. Each of you should not only should look not only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. So let's review. Hospitality, the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers, the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 talks about generosity. And sometimes I would read this and think they were just talking about money. But I've come to expand that to realize that he's talking about more than money. Your time, your talent, and your love. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also increase will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. So go ahead. Find a place to plug in and serve in the church. Invite someone over for dinner and give generously of your time to walk alongside people, to teach what you've learned, to walk with people on their journey of transformation. Because that's what's going to lead to our homes, our workplaces, our communities, cities, states, and our nation being transformed. It's one person at a time. Revival starts with the move of God, and he's inviting us to partner with him in transformation. Will you stand with me? we can have the prayer ministry team come up. Lord, we are so grateful that you love us and that you love our nation and that you want to partner with us in bringing revival. And God, I just pray that you would prepare us, that we would be a people who are ready for the harvest that you are going to bring in. I pray that you would open our hearts and help us to open our homes and our lives with our time, that we will be able to walk alongside people and love them unconditionally the way you love us. 
Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that you would just speak to them and let them know how much you love them and that you want to have a personal relationship with you. Lord, we thank you. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are not here, and we look forward to the day where we can all celebrate together. May you bless us as we go out. And may we be a blessing to everyone we come into contact with today. Amen.